0: Thank you for joining us here at Friendship Bible Church in Kerrville, Texas. Today we join Pastor Mark Rylander in the book of Hebrews, going through chapter 1, verse 10, through chapter 2, verse 9. The message today is entitled, Crowned with Glory and Honor. As is he is addressing a, a congregation in North Africa, he's writing from Italy, he's writing to them in North Africa, they have experienced great persecution they came running into a Jewish principally Jewish group of people who came running into the kingdom and were embraced by the gospel and embraced the gospel back and have been useful to God and the response from their community was persecution was persecution and they've gone on and they've gone on but as he will say later in the book But your hands are hanging down and your knees are weak. You're still on the gospel road. You're still running the course, but your side hurts. Your lungs are screaming for oxygen. Your hands are hanging down. Your knees are weak. And this is written to strengthen them. Because that is a spirit weakness It's not a flesh weakness. We use that as an illustration. Their spirits have become debilitated because they stopped going to the well of water who is Jesus. They stopped going to the bread of life who is Jesus, drawing their sustenance from Him and their energy from Him. And that is what He is doing. He's reminding them of where the bread is, where the water is. And so he has to go back. And so often, what we need to do as Christians to encourage ourselves is you go back to square one. Success or failure is with the fundamentals. Marines, soldiers, sailors fail when they fail to do what they were taught in basic training. When you do what you were taught, when you were taught the fundamentals, you, if you persist in that, you will succeed and grow stronger and stronger and more skilled. It will become second natured, but you still have to apply it. Sometimes it becomes again a constant reminder. And those of you who have passed the age of, mm, shall we say, 40, know about having to go back and be reminded of things, right? <laughs> He's reminding them. What does he say? God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers, our Jewish fathers, by the prophets. Remember, this is a principally Jewish congregation. Jews who have come to faith in their Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. Has in these last days spoken to us by son. Wait a minute, Mark. My Bible says his son. Yes, but his in his italics. Why would they supply because it sounds smoother by his and yet it strikes us odd if he were to simply say has in these last days spoken to us by son. Well it strikes it struck their ears odd too. He was trying to get their attention by saying this in a little bit of an awkward way that awkwardness would draw their attention. The prophets. Of the Old Testament wonderful as they were they weren't son what revelation do you have the son s o n revelation the Apostles and New Testament prophets who brought to you the message of the gospel saw God the son who said he who has seen me has seen the father Which of you accuses me of sin? Pontius Pilate who sent him to the cross said, I find no evil, no fault in this just man. A pagan judge. We saw the sun. We had a revelation not written, but visual. Before us, walking around, breathing, speaking, doing, healing, raising the dead, cleansing lepers, speaking truth. Whom He, God the Father, has appointed heir of all things. Everything has come into His hands. Everything has come into His hands through whom also he, God the Father, made the worlds. Jesus is the speaker in Genesis chapter 1. And God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, as John says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the speaker, and the speaker was with God. The word was with God, face to face with God, and God, in the Greek text, this is the word order. And God was the word, the speaker. And all things were made by him. Jesus is none other than the fellow speaking in Genesis 1, setting everything in order and filling the order with life. And we saw him. He has been a point. He- who the Son has been appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory he who has seen me has seen the Father <coughs> and the express image of his person there is no distinction between what those people saw in Jesus and the very nature of God the Father and upholding all things by the word of his power As Paul says in Colossians, if Jesus were to take his hand off the universe, it says by him all things are held together. What we call gravity and all these quote unquote scientific laws that that's Jesus holding this universe together. If he were to take his hand off for a nanosecond, it would all fly apart. That's the reality of God's universe. He not only made it, He makes it flow. He's the energizer, even of the physical things that we see. When he had by himself purged our sins, and I could put each one of our names in there, I can say Karen, Lloyd, Mike, Stephen. I can put our name. He purged us of our sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, he says in Matthew 28, following his resurrection. All authority, all power. Having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And one of the things this congregation is being attracted to by a false Jewish cult is they elevated angels in their esteem, way above what was rightful. For to which of the, and so he will camp on this? For to which of the angels did he ever say, "You are my son. Today I have begotten you"? Well, that's a rhetorical question. Answer is none. He said it only to. Jesus of Nazareth, who is God the Son. And again, I will be to him, God the Father speaking, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Verse 6, but when he again brings the firstborn into the world, this is from Deuteronomy 32. This is the again coming, is his second coming, which is described there in Deuteronomy 32. The second coming, the kingdom establishment coming, of Jesus. When he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all the angels of God worship him. Stop with this elevation of angels. Do as they were commanded and worship him. And of the angels, he says, <coughs> Who makes his angels spirits? Little f- 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 breaths, winds, this pneuma how substantial are they as substantial as the breath as the wind is the spirits and his ministers is a flame of fire which ultimately goes out can be blown out. But to the Sun he says in a stark contrast to that your throne O God to the sun he says your throne O God is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom righteousness when you read the word righteousness in both the Old and New Testaments think skill God is a righteous God meaning he does everything with perfect skill a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom you will a word you will never expression you will never hear from heaven is oops it doesn't happen God never makes a mistake Jesus God the son who has taken authority never makes a mistake a scepter of righteousness as you express your authority it is done with perfect skill righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom you have loved righteousness you have loved the walking in a proper way in in line with God's holiness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, therefore, God the Son, your God, God the Father, has anointed you Jesus upon the event of having been baptized by John the Baptist, John, the testimony of John the Baptist when Jesus came up. Oh, he heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And he saw the Holy Spirit descend upon Jesus in the form of a dove. Well, what is the term Christ or Mashiach Messiah mean? It means anointed one. Well, olive oil is an emblem of God the Holy Spirit, and so for David and so forth. When David was anointed to be king of Israel, he, Samuel the prophet put olive oil on him, but also God the Holy Spirit, this is invisible, left King Saul and came upon David. Now, Jesus had the visual. There's no step statement that Samuel saw the Holy Spirit descend upon David. But John the Baptist, by the way, do this on your own. Do a comparative study of the life of Samuel and the life of John the Baptist. You will be amazed at how they track. John the Baptist saw the emblem of the Holy Spirit, the dove, descend upon Jesus. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. The joy that dwells upon, resides in, and erupts from the person of the Lord Jesus on a continual basis is immeasurable. And, verse 10, you, Lord. this but To the Son, he says, verse 8, dot, 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 Verse 10, you, Lord, and notice Lord is all in caps, meaning Yahweh, Jehovah, you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, just as exactly as John the Apostle says in John 1, 1 and 2. You, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. That's also there in Genesis chapter one. They will perish, but you remain. You're even going to restore them. You're even going to renew them, but you won't need to renew yourself for you already are perfection. They will perish, but you remain. And they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will fold them up. And they will be changed. But you are the same. You don't need restoration. You retain the vitality and the freshness that you have brought with you from eternity. This is the eternally fresh, clean, wonderful God. Like a cloak you will fold them up and they will be changed but you are the same and your years will not fail. You are from eternity to eternity. From eternity to eternity. I love the, the statement of the angel to Mary. The promise. Behold Isaiah seven fourteen, Behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You shall call his name Emmanuel and the God with us. And there is the promise made in Micah. O Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among all the villages of Judah, from out of you shall come forth the one to be ruler among my people. Now, this is my parentheses. Oh, but you're not his true point of origin, whose goings forth are from of old even from everlasting. He's the everlasting God. And he will erupt from you. And your years will not fail. You are from everlasting to everlasting. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool answer none he has said it only to his son are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation do not elevate the angels to anything that even approaches a status of worship respect absolutely they are God's creatures and they are God's servants but Don't you dare take them past that line of due respect. And just this morning as we were uh, studying the book of Jude, we even find Michael the archangel defending the body, the dead body of Moses on Mount Pisgah, which Satan has come wanting to destroy it. And even Michael the archangel, meaning ruling angel, doesn't say, I rebuke you to Lucifer. He says, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Those angels. And let me tell you something, folks. Angels are pretty visually impressive from what I gather. <laughs> Very impressive. But their servants God has sent to serve you. Serve you. really Lord you have so elevated me that I am in the place now where angels are my sir you've sent them to serve me yeah (laughs) how is that because I am sharing my status with you I have elevated you to the place of a glad welcome with me you are my brothers (laughs) You are God's sons. And remember what we've said before. The term sons was addressed to both, was a title for both males and females in the Roman Empire. It meant full heir. And down at the county courthouse, if you were an heir of your father, regardless of your gender, you were called a son, a full heir, a glad welcome, a a place at the head table, at at the feasts. Therefore, because all this is true, by the way, I would encourage you to memorize this chapter. Yes, you will be strengthening your own spirit by being reminded of the reality of what God has done for you. And Satan will flee you. Therefore, because all these things are true, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. What has this congregation done? They have started to drift away because they forgot the basics. What he is doing here is reminding them. As we looked in the Sunday school class at Jude, what does Jude say? I'm reminding you. Of what you've already been taught, but you're losing your grip on. Restore that grip. Restore that grip. Get your hands on this reality. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Satan's number one strategy in coming into your life, especially as a new believer, but throughout your Christian experience, is to distract you other things and just that aren't blatantly sinful necessarily but just distract you away from the consistent discipline what Bob announced with this 37 days this booklet you can get a part of 37 days what is that that is a rest uh, an extremely important good opportunity to restore do exactly what it says here Give more earnest heed to the things you have heard. Okay, Lord, let's go back to square one and this should be a habit of our Christian lives. Let's go back to stir square one. Let's go back to gospel truth and think our way back to the fullness of who I am now. My new identity in Jesus Christ. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard lest we drift away For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast, that giving of the law on Mount Sinai. What were the Jewish people doing at the foot of Mount Sinai? Remember, before Moses even went up on that mountain, they fenced it off. And they said, anybody that crosses this fence will be shot through with an arrow or pierced with a spear. Do not do this. That was and as Moses went up this mountain. There was a display of angelic glory. Which is what he's referring to here. And fire fell from heaven. And all and Moses is up there for and they're probably thinking I'm sure the heretics thought to them. Well there's no way I could have survived all that. Moses isn't ever coming back. Wrong. But they were fenced off from the mountain. It was a frightening thing, And God deliberately wanted it to be frightening for them. We must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Lest we drift away for if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast. And every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. And you read through the book of Leviticus and it's all right there. In clear print if you do this this will be the outcome if you do this this will be the penalty and this will be the penalty and this will be the. It's all laid out there very clearly. A Lot of death penalties. And every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. If that word spoken through angels proved steadfast. Uh what about the word spoken to us by God's own son? If the Sinai message was radioactive, how much more radioactive is it if we defy the message coming from God's own son? For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Not a message that brought condemnation to us. By the way, we know from Galatians, we know from Hebrews, we know from Romans, the purpose of the law of Moses, the purpose of the Ten Commandments was a diagnostic tool to tell us how sick and sinful and wicked we were. So we would run to Jesus, For mercy and get it and get it it was a diagnostic tool the Jewish people turned the law into a prescription (laughs) instead of a diagnosis no it's a diagnosis the prescription even in the days of Moses and long before the days of Moses What is it that Job 1925 says about five or six hundred years before Moses came down off that mountain? I know that my Redeemer lives and shall stand upon the earth. And though after my flesh worms destroy this body, still from within my flesh, I will see God. That's about six hundred years pre Mount Sinai. it began to be spoken by the lord our lord jesus christ jesus of nazareth and was current firm to us by those who heard him the 12 apostles and many many others god also bearing witness both with signs And Wonders with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will you read through the gospel accounts and Jesus is doing one miracle one sign after another after another those things weren't just done for their own sake. They were done to be proofs of who he was declaring himself to be. And what he would accomplish for us on the cross. You know if Jesus had done nothing but get crucified. Uh, okay we don't know how many probably millions of people were crucified why would we expect that crucifixion to have any more benefit to us than anybody else's answer because he demonstrated the purity of his person and the power of his person the reality of his place in God's kingdom he is God the son True God of true God, true man of true man, joined together in one person, Nicene Creed, getting it exactly right, carrying the burden of our sin on the cross, such that even the man crucified beside him, called a malefactor, called a thief, said, I deserve what I'm getting. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. You will be with me this day in paradise. I'll take that. Paradise? Anybody up for paradise? I'm up for paradise. I'll take that. (laughs) For he has not put the world to come, of which we speak in, in subjection to angels, but one testified in a certain place, Saying, what is man that you are mindful of him? What does the psalmist say? We understand these angels are pretty impressive. We understand our God is immeasurable. What am I? What am I? What is man that you are mindful of him? Why do you even pay attention to me? Or the Son of Man that you take care of him? I am experiencing God's care and I can't figure out why. Why is he so focused on such an insignificant creature? You have made him a little lower than the angels. Adam, the name Adam means dust, dusty. (laughs) Made out of the dust. You read that comparison to go to Ezekiel 18 and read the description of Lucifer before his fall who is at the top of the angelic pyramid and the description of his person physically, visually, and even the sound of his voice was like a pipe organ. And here's a man made out of the dust. (laughs) What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower in the angels as far as his appearance. And that was deliberate poke in St. Lucifer's eye, by the way. You have crowned him with glory and honor. He has crowned us, those who have entrusted themselves to Christ. Glory, honor, that's yours. Wait a minute, Lord, you can't mean. No, I do mean you. Don't tell me what I can and can't do. I'm doing it. I've done it. I have crowned you with glory. And set him over the works of your hands. You will share. We will share. We share now in Jesus authority in this creation. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. Me? Yes, yes. You. That's why I advise you to, re, to memorize Hebrews 1. Yes, you. Yes, you. For in that he put all things in subjection under him. And this is us. This him is us. For in that he put all, all in subjection under him, he has left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. In fact, you are seeing many of your brothers and sisters and maybe some of you have experienced persecution yourselves. The inside of a jail cell doesn't feel like a throne room. But it's still true. You can reign in the cell much better than Nero can on his throne. But now we do not see him yet But now we do not yet see all things put under him. It isn't hasn't met our eyesight yet. But we do see Jesus who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. That's why he came to suffer death in our place for us. crowned with glory and honor. And he is the pioneer. He has made the pathway to the throne. He says even in Revelation chapter 3. To the one who overcomes. I will make a place here. Beside me on my throne. Do you hear that? This is Revelation chapter 3. Message to the church at Laodicea. I have made a place beside me here on my throne. Just as. The Father made for me because of my overcoming, my prevailing. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone and thus make for us that place beside him on that throne. He's broken Satan's power, and he's elevate us. Don't let anybody distract you away from that, either by some occult out there, but also within your own mind. Reinforce your mind with the reality of what the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today our Lord the title of this message crowned with glory and honor that is true not only of you our Lord Jesus but it is your purpose for every one of those who have cast themselves upon your mercy and grace that we too will find a place beside you on your throne as we prevail, as we press forward, as we move forward, a place beside you on your throne in kingdom glory to come. In Jesus' name, we ask that you would not let us forget what the Holy Spirit said to us today. And all God's people said, Amen.